Hi everybody, it's Michelle Jackson. I'm here with our November Pen Posse Roundtable and we have an amazing group of all female writers. We are here to talk about winning writing and womanhood. Um, last month I had all the men, so I had to, of course, bring on all the women. And so we're gonna be talking about writing, we're gonna be talking about womanhood, we're gonna be talking about our experiences as published authors. You, we are live, so you can, without a doubt, Drop your questions. We do ask that you go and log in to our StreamYard link. I'm going to put something up on the screen so you can see it. Once you do that, we can see your questions and put those questions on the screen. Um, and so if you have any comments, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to drop those questions in and we're going to get to them. But for now, we want to put all of our authors on the screen, our writers on the screen so that you can get to know them. Hi, ladies. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi, Michelle. Hello. I'm loving this pen Good morning. And beautiful. So we're going to be talking about writing this morning. And I have a group of writers with us. And like I said to everyone, you can drop your comments in the chat. You can um, add your comments, your questions. We're going to get to those. But for now, we want everybody to get an opportunity to talk a little bit about themselves first. So we want to lay out what this is all about. The Pen Posse is something that the Black Writers Workspace created a while back. It is an opportunity to learn from writers who are doing it, people who are self-publishing, traditional publishing um, their books, people who are blogging. All of us are passionate about writing, right, ladies? We're all passionate about writing, and that's why we are here for two hours. You got us for two whole hours. And we're going to be talking about an amazing topic. Oh, wow. Let's see. What do we have? We're going to break up this session into three areas. First, we're going to talk about womanhood. Okay. And that's who are we as Black women writers? Um, we're going to be talking about the legacy of Black women writers and our impact on the industry. Then we're going to talk about winning. What is winning? What does winning look like? And we're going to really talk about that. We're winning in life as well as winning when it comes to writing. And we're going to be looking at the perceptions of the mainstream media, the gatekeepers, and everybody who is in this industry and how they're connecting with us as Black women writers. And then we're going to talk about writing. We're going to talk about publishing, how you guys are publishing your work, um, how are you marketing your work. Uh, and so that's going to make this just a full two hours of really digging in and making sure that when the people who are out there walk away from this round table. They've learned a couple of things. First of all, they understand, you know, how to write a book and the experiences that we are learn about. They're going to also learn about the experiences that we're having as black women writers. And so we want to make sure that everyone walks away with something and that they are inspired to continue to write. So for the audience, drop your questions. We can see them. Be sure to go to StreamYard first. You can view this on YouTube, so subscribe to our YouTube page at um, BWW, uh, Black Writers Workspace, Michelle D. Jackson. You can also find this link on authormichelledjackson.com. You can go there, which is my website. Go to podcast. It gives you a link. But you can also find me on Facebook at Author Michelle D. Jackson, and you can see this, this actual pin posse. Now, everyone... Take about two minutes and I want you to tell us about yourself and then I want you to answer a very important question for me and that is, 
I am dot, 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 and I write because dot, dot, dot. So let's start with you, Sherelle. Hi, I am Sherelle Yarbrough, and I am a proud mother of three beautiful girls. I'm an author, a creator, a visionary, a comedic yogi in training, and, uh, and an IT professional. Um, and, and I write because I, I believe, I'm a firm believer that, of course, words are not only powerful when spoken, but also when it's written. And so that's um, very empowering when you get to control the narrative. And so I write for my culture, in essence, because you know those ancestors born into bondage weren't allowed to or, or didn't know how to. So it's an invigorating feeling to allow myself to be able to be used as a vessel to convey stories, whether it's of truth or fiction. And so, um, and those stories will evoke certain levels of emotion. And I find it to be very rewarding to be able to create a space that ignites one's imagination to think beyond this physical realm. And in return, hopefully producing a sense of power or escape in a positive way for that person who's reading out my body of work. So. In a nutshell, that is, that's why I write. <laughs> Excellent. Tell us about your books. Tell us about what, what's your genre? Well, the genre is children's picture books. And it's mainly like sci-fi uh, adventure. And um, it, I, I, we wanted to write something that was thought-provoking, captivating, and yet just very fun and adventurous for children. Uh, particularly young girls of color, to be able to see themselves in, in, a, in a way that is brave, bold, and um, heroic, you know, um, but yet have a sense of vulnerability. And so um, these, these three young girls, which is inspired by my three young girls, are superheroes. And they go on this journey to be able to um, give the next generation, um, their generation, of superheroes insight with using that special power of their third eye to be able to open an endless door of possibilities that creates more supernatural powers. And so it's it's going above and beyond with just kind of navigating around through getting rid of the old um, generations of conditioning, you know, and bringing forth the new. Okay. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing Thank with us. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to learn a lot from you. We're talking children's books. I love that so many of us are writing because we're trying to empower yes. other Black women and Black girls. That's that's so important to us. So thank you so much for being here. DM, talk to us about who you are and give us your I am's. Hello. Good morning. I am DM Lurie. I'm out of Toronto, Canada. Um, I am an author, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, uh, full-time employee, um, jewelry maker, like I got a whole bunch of side hustles too, but writing is my passion. Uh, and I write because it's part of my self-care regimen. It's my me time. It's um, almost like a meditation for me, um, helps me to focus. I have pretty bad anxiety. Um, so this is something that I do that's part of my daily, if not weekly, self-care regimen. Um, but also I write because I'm noticing, so I write in the in the paranormal 
uh, fantasy and urban fantasy genre. And I'm noticing more and more every day that um, Black women are represented as these warriors, as these people who go into battle. They pick up a sword or they pick up a, a weapon and they fight. Um, whereas, you know, those people exist, but I write for the introverts. I write for the ones who are battling, you know, internal demons as well as external demons. Uh, my writing focuses on mental health, uh, even within the fantasy genre. And uh, I write because I wanted to see someone like me in, in those worlds that I love so much, in the vampire world, in the witches and the werewolves, someone who suffers with mental health challenges and, and battles mental health challenges and makes progression and comes out on top. So I wanted to, I wanna write because I want those black girls out there who are facing those mental health challenges to be able to escape in the way that I use these fantasy books to escape, but also to see themselves in that world and to know that they're not left out, that, they're not, that they have value in that sense, so. That's my passion. <laughs> love it. Thank you so much. Toronto, I love that. Um, DM actually is one of our winners for the chapter one writing competition. Uh, her work is, she's doing big things. So please, everybody continue to support. Support everybody on the screen, okay? That's what we're doing. We're here to support each other. We're not just here to talk. We're here to support each other. And what I love about Pen Posse is, I don't necessarily know everybody. So I don't want everybody thinking that these are my, you know, we, we hang out and they're gonna just talk, say things that I want them to say. They are all women that I'm getting to know too, okay? And I love that because I love to know that I have this big community of writers. We all do. We have each other. And so that's what this is all about. That's what the posse is all about. We already have comments coming in, but we're going to hold because we haven't even got through introductions. So Jessica, talk to us about yourself and tell us about your IMs and why do you write? Uh, good morning. I'm Jessica Lovelace. I, I am a published writer. I've written and published two novels. Um, I've written short stories, uh, poetry, screenplays. Um, I've, I've written stories for digital platforms. Um, I've managed a couple different blogs. Um, but my, my favorite form of writing is uh, to write novels. Um, I'm currently working on my, my next novel project at, at the moment. I'm hoping to have that completed by spring of next year. And um, I mean, I, I, I'm a mother, wife, um, a black girl in tech. Um, I and um, I write. I write because I personally just love telling stories, which is why I I find so many different platforms to write in because I just love finding new ways to tell a story. And um, it's basically just my truest form of self-expression. I've written since grade school. Um, where I used to just write stories about talking animals, and now I've moved forward to um, just writing dramatic stories about Black women and whatever they experience in different ways. Um, um, and I really just love the opportunity to just showcase the Black women from a, a variety of different ways, a variety of different perspectives. Um, and I love to show her in her most vulnerable state because I know that whenever you see Black women, they're always these strong Black women, you know, the magical Negro who are just perfect in, the, in all these areas. I love showing the vulnerabilities of Black women. And that's why I write. So I can really show that side of that so I can um, let people know the many sides of Black women. So uh, when we, as superheroes, when we tear off our beautiful blazers and jackets and whatever, what's in the center of our checks is that big black, that big BW, black woman. That's the strength 
That's the heroism. That's the we that's our superpower, you know, and it's not to negate anyone else of any other race or any other. It is not. But it does give us a it is a superpower that we have. And it's something that we use in our writing. So we're going to hear that a lot. And I'm so happy that we are because I want our audience to know that being a black woman gives us a special power because we see the world in a different way because the world has impacted us in a different way. So thank you so much, Jessica. Jessica actually was one of our winners for our best uh, book cover awards. Am I wrong about that? Yeah. Everything. So congratulations on that. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Um, um, is it, I know we've got Kalanda. I can't see the name. So in the center is, um, give me your name. Olivia. Olivia. <laughs> Olivia, you look so different. I'm sorry. I'm like, <laughs> from your pictures, I see you all the time. Olivia, talk to us about, um, tell us who you, tell us about yourself. Yes. Yeah, so I am Olivia Shaw Real. Um, I am from the Midwest and I write uh, Christian fiction and contemporary romance. I have 27 novels and counting under my belt. Um, I write because I believe since a little girl that God called me to what I say are the three E's. So entertain, empower and encourage readers. And um, I love what DM said about writing for introverts because I'm very much shy, introverted, and writing is just an expression, you know, for me. And it's the only way that I've been able to really connect with people, you know, beyond my circle and my people. So um, I feel like writing is like breathing, you know, without it, I can't exist. So, yeah, nice That's to meet everyone on the panel. 27 novels, 27. Yeah. Yes. You're telling stories about everything. I mean, we're going to talk about that because you I'm sure you've covered it all. Uh, so, so, so happy to finally meet you face to face. We connected yes. on the Black Writers Workspace in one way or another. So it's very, very nice to meet you. Kalanda, is it Kelanda or am I pronouncing it correctly? Kelanda, that's correct. Okay. Great. Tell us about yourself. I'm Kelanda Wheeler. I am from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I am proudly um, helping to grow the percentage of Black speech language pathologists. I think we inched from 3% to 4%. Um, and I write because as a practicing speech pathologist um, doing speech therapy in the schools, um, we were using books that didn't represent the students that I served um, and that didn't represent me. Um, I write books that I haven't seen because I want to leave a legacy, not only for my children, but for all of the children that um, I've been able to pour into as they pour into me. Um, it's so important to have the duality that um, my series represents. Um, because I have black protagonists, but also bring um, awareness and acceptance to differences and disabilities. And so because they are children's picture books, I have the opportunity to highlight and shine on the children that haven't been represented um, through the illustrations of those apparent and visible differences um, in skin, in mobility, um, in, you know, um, the text in being able to express as best that I can those 
differences and disabilities that aren't apparent, um, such as the speech, language, and learning difficulties that um, I've seen through the span of my career. And so I would hope that um, I would continue to be able to provide those books that bring that sense of pride to both of those populations um, and continue to write books that I wish I had growing up. That's excellent. Thank you so much for being with us. And um, I live in Louisiana as well. Um, I am in New Orleans and you're in Baton Rouge. And so it's very, very nice to, to meet you and to learn from you. So thank you so much for being with us. Alita? Can you hear us? Yes, I am. Um, okay. Hey, Miss Michelle. Hey, ladies. I'm Arlissa. It's nice. It's nice to meet all of you. So I'm proud of all of your accomplishments. Okay, Arlissa, we're um, having some problems with your. Can Can you hear us? We're having some problems. Can hardly hear you. Um, can you? Call back in from a, a more stable line and we'll we'll get we'll definitely give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, okay? Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody, once again, I'm Michelle Jackson as well. I'm the founder of the Black Writers Workspace. So my I am is just that I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a writer, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a nonprofit director. I own two companies. I have a nonprofit called Life Skills. I also started a new platform called directorauthor.com. Um, which allows us self-published writers to um, promote our work. I am someone who's always trying to figure out a way to make things easier. I I consider myself a serial entrepreneur. Um, I do a lot of work in the tech field as well, trying to make sure that youth in our our communities, especially Black communities, understand, uh, learn about tech jobs. These are sustainable jobs um, and are passionate about writing. You know, I write because I can't dance because I can't sing, because I can't rap. I thought I could when I was younger, but I can't. I write because it's the gift that God gave me and I am going to use it and use it and use it and use it. And so, you know, it was hard thinking about that. What is, well, why do I write? Because, yeah, I, I this is this is the gift he gave me and I'm, I'm definitely gonna use it. So we're gonna have a great conversation today. Um, hopefully we'll get A.W. back on the screen. We've got some comments coming in. I'm going to take off a couple of things on the screen uh, so that we can, I can see everybody a little bit clearer. There you go, I'm going to have your names. So for the audience, you are welcome to drop your information, your questions, your comments. Let us know what you feel. We're going to be talking now, starting out talking about womanhood, which is important, right, ladies? Womanhood is important. There is a quote from the writer Zirinir Hurston that says, Black women are the mules of the world. It's actually an excerpt from her book, Their Eyes Were Watching God. Anybody read Their Eyes Were Watching God? That was a must read for me in school. She said, Black women are the mules of the world. Now, Zornia Hurston was an amazing writer who wrote some fantastic best-selling novels, but she died poor. So I want everyone on the screen to tell us, how have your life's experiences either validated or repudiated this statement? Black women are the mules of the world. Anybody want to take that? Open your mic up. Let's hear from you. That is a hard one. 
Um, I don't know if I could take that on, but uh, I do want to, I, I would think that, I would agree with women are the mules of the earth, especially black women. Uh, we, throughout history, have had to overcome. We, not only, this is a, this is a broad topic. <laughs> um, Historically, it's just been harder for women, for women of color, for black women to achieve, to be seen, to be heard. Um, I was doing research when I was first publishing my book, The Eos Key, about whitewashing of covers, all these beautiful books about black women and having white characters on the cover that don't even represent the women that are inside. Um, having these TV writers and producers for years and years and years um, going to these these studios and presenting these ideas, and then you know a year and a half later seeing and I this is a this is a specific story, but a years and a half year and a half later seeing your story on television under someone else's name. It's we we for a long time have been um, I believe kind of set aside. We haven't been been given the value that we deserve. Um, and it's only recently that we have been able to have part of that spotlight. We've been able to, you know, get back a little bit of what has been owed to us. Um, in my mind, I look, I think about my mother and I'm like, that's the hardest working woman that I know. I think we can all agree that we look at our mothers and we think that is the hardest working woman that we know. And then we sit back as some of us parents and think how much they had to go through, how much harder it was for them than it was for us. And if you just think about that generation after generation before generation before generation, how much harder it was for the woman before, for your grandmother, for your great grandmother. It's just, for me, it's mind boggling to think about. You know, and there's something you said about this doesn't just have to say black women, it, it can say all women. And, and I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's tough being a woman. Ladies, it's tough when it's not. It's Especially a black woman, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm a you know I'm a person who went through corporate world. I I, I survived, you know, mm -hmm. 20 years of corporate environment, climbing the ladder, and I mean, having bombs thrown at me literally felt like you know throughout that process. Uh, and then as a writer, you know, when I look at the books, the writers who have been celebrated over the years, we're still celebrating writers who wrote books 60 years ago. Yes because there are still so few black women writers that are getting the attention that they need around their books. It's growing, it's getting better. And it's not that it's, it's not better. out there. There are so yeah. many black ta talented black women out there exactly. with stories to be told, but mm -hmm. for them to get that story into somebody's hands and for it to be seen and recognized and acknowledged, that's, that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. yeah. So anybody else want to talk about? Yeah. Add mm -hmm. to um, what, DM was saying historically, um, because that that's a loaded statement. You know, black women are the mules of the earth, not just of one geographical, you know, section. It's the earth, you know. So that's almost putting us in this, this space of like of the universe, really. Mm -hmm. You know, of we're to be seen as the only somewhat human like existence uh in the universe and so when i did not read that book but when i saw that question i instantly went to a mule you know in the definition of the mule and that is the um 
the, the, the hybrid of the horse and the donkey. And that's one of the most docile um, animals out there. And so, but that put me into the definition of the context in which she used uh, that mule is, you know, the, uh, the abused yellow mule symbolizes the mistreatment of the suppression that the character and the women like her faced. And the mule is constantly mocked, you know, and seen as that lowly creature. And so for us as black women, I mean, you have to look at how we're used, um, but we allow ourselves to be used. So we could either claim that statement um, or, or we can, we can reject it, you know, and change the narrative, right? I, I think back to the stereotype of us being looked at as being so strong, like you said, and mm -hmm. that we can take on anything. We can we can harvest all this pain. And that took me back to the so-called, the father of modern gyne uh, gynecology, J. Marion Sims, who performed experiments on enslaved black women. And he did that because oh, they could take the pain, you know, and I'm not even gonna use anesthesia. You know, I'm just going to do it. And that's so invasive. And imagine the, the level of pain that those enslaved women went through. So being the mule, like DM said, that's historically. And it's been ingrained um, and conditioned into us as generation. It's almost like a generational curse um, that needs to be broken. And that's a part of another reason why I write the stories that I write, you know, um, because we are vulnerable, you know. And when you look at... Um, recent studies out there that are surveyed the society compared to white girls, you know, black girls are from age five to 10 there. The perspective um, from the society is that black girls need less protection. Black girls need less comfort, less nurturing. They know more about adult topics. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's time to change that narrative and, and not um, succumb to the victimization. Oh, I love that. I love that we need less we are just strong yeah. we can endure more pain more independent yeah more i think that's because we've had to yeah more pain exactly we've had to and yeah. so that's why i wanted to start this out when we talk about womanhood because everything that was just said really opens the door to why writing is so important for us you know because we have to change the narrative um, I cry, I hurt, I am no different than anybody else. Yes, I am stronger because I've had to be, but if you ask me, do I always want to be strong? I don't. I don't. I really don't. And so that's a beautiful thing. Now, Zora was at a stage of her life, of course, this was probably written in the 30s or the 40s, the world was so different, but it does really connect to who we are and what we are still dealing with today. Anybody else want to talk a little bit about this? I don't want to move on without giving everyone. If you see on the screen, someone wrote, we are described as a mule because of how hard we work and how resilient we are in times of trials and tribulations. On one level, that feels like that's a, a good quality. On the other level, it's a sad reality. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yes, we should be strong. But then on the other side, why do we have to always be so strong? So thank you for that comment, whoever that is. I can't see the person. So that's great. Anybody else want to talk about this? Yeah, I wanted to um, bring up because um, I, I looked it up. I looked up um, that quote because I did read the book it was in in like elementary school, no middle school. So it was, it was a while ago. But um, I did find a poem by Glennis Redmond called Mule. 
Um, and it was based off that quote from Zora Neale Hurston's book. Um, and how it starts is, uh, you know, she scowls all the time because her shoulders bow underneath all the work and worry and get nothing in return. And that's why her feet are planted in stubborn stance. And that's why she don't move when others around her say move. And if, it's a really good poem. So if you haven't read it, definitely go back and read it in full. But I really got the context um, even deeper of, of Zora's quote by reading that poem. Um, and I did have, and I did, I do see that in my own life as far as how I would validate that quote because I, in my own personal life, um, I've always had to work harder, mm -hmm. despite the fact that, like, you know, working at, you know, an average pace is always good enough. But because I'm a black woman, I have to work harder. I have to work twice as hard as my counterparts to be seen as equal to them. If I were to work, uh, just less than, or just like my, you know, average best, I wouldn't be cons con considered equal to them. I'd be considered less than them, despite the fact that in my opinion, my average is just as good. But because I'm a black woman, I have to showcase all of my talents just as, just as much, or um, definitely quite as, uh, quite more. And then I run into the issue of having to be accountable for twice as, twice as much. So I have to be just uh, twice as good, but then if I fail, it seemed much worse than if someone, you know, any of my counterparts fail. Um, so it's always just this uh, added pressure of having to be um, the perfect woman in any space that I am, the perfect black woman in any space that I am to make sure that I'm seen and represented properly. Um, so I, I definitely understood that, that quote um, when I read it. And then again, when I kind of dug deeper into it to really understand the the meaning behind it and the context behind it is my own personal life. You know, it's like you read it and your first thought is this isn't true. And then you begin to digest it and you realize that a lot of how the things that we do, how we live. And like you said, the perception that we have to work hard, is it real or is it a perception? Do we really have to work harder or do we just think the world expects us to work harder? You know, uh, there's so many so many things there. And then, as you said, you know, as you was talking, I thought about this whole journey of writing and how how our feelings about having to work harder at everything has impacted our ability or inability to publish and write these books. Because I know for myself, you do get to a point where you say, I don't see a lot of black writers, black women writers doing big things should I be trying this? Should I be doing this? Is this something that the world is going to accept? Am I going to be good enough? And we have to know that we are. We have to know that we are good enough. I've lived my whole life under that same umbrella of I must work harder. I tell my nieces that. I tell my son that. I tell, but is it real or a perception, ladies? Do we have to work harder to be successful? Or is it just a perception based on our past, based on what the world has kind of said to us. Anybody want to take that? I have realized that I, I'm not sure if I can tell the difference anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know since I've worked, since I've created the standard for myself, I'm not sure if I cannot work harder. I'm, a, mm -hmm. I'm a, whenever I like, like let's say for instance, for my classwork, when I was getting my master's, I didn't know how to not go above and beyond what was asked of me because I was afraid that if I did it, that they'll be like, okay, well, no, you, you messed up. Like you didn't do enough. And even if let's say like that wasn't the, the, the class standard, I would still feel the need to go above and beyond because mm -hmm. I, I just had that fear that if I don't work hard, I'm not going to be seen as enough. And so 
it might certainly be perception that I don't have to work as hard, but I can't wrap my mind around that. I simply can't. Like I have to work harder. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm afraid I'll, I'll fail. That is exactly how I feel. Anybody else want to take it? Yeah. I do. Oh. Okay. We all want to touch on it. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I think that um, that all of the same things can be true at the same time. With when it comes to womanhood, when it comes to writing, when it comes uh, to existing as a black woman, and all of the spaces that we have to occupy, we have moments where we have to take up space and regulate and say, you know, these systems that are in place to keep us down and and make us work harder and be that mule do exist. You know, it's not ideal, but it's real. And then I think there's also a space where I can be soft. I'm a wife. Sometimes husband, you got to carry more this time. You know, sometimes I'm not well. And that means that, you know, in this, in this partnership, there has to be a balance of you take them, the two people we made, they yours too. You know, they'll be okay. You know, um, and then when it comes to writing, um, I, I pulled up this quote, um, uh, from another author, uh, her name is uh, Shantae Jones, um, and she said, we are not underrepresented in books. We have been intentionally and historically excluded. Language matters. And so it's so important that we realize that there are true um, um, you know, evils and things that are trying to combat what we're doing, um, but also creating a new narrative. And I think that's the responsibility of, of our generation of writers um, that we get the privilege to say, no, this is my boundary. No, I'm living the soft life, as they say, you know, the young people, right? Um, and, and that part is okay too. And, and no, I'm not going to be perfect um, in, in every single way. But if I, if I want to be extra on this, because it's my my book and it's my name on it and I want to be a little bit perfectionistic on this part I can do that and I get to choose when I when I want to do that and that's the power of being you know in a somewhat evolved space that still has more room to um, to improve excellent Olivia you're the only one we haven't heard from and we're gonna that's excellent Kilanda you want to talk a little bit about this before we move on um, well, everyone pretty much summed up um, exactly what I'm thinking. Um, but then I just thought about, um, and this is kind of going off topic, but it it kind of has the same, you know, um, element. So a white reader, she wanted to know why I didn't have any black characters on my book. She was like, because, you know, that kind of excludes, you know, your white readers. And then I said, well, look at all of the books with uh, white characters on them. You know, I'm not asking those authors to change up their writing or to change up, um, you know, the aim of their book. And so it's just like, we're always told that we're not good enough or we didn't do enough. And so we, we do walk around with that mindset and um, it's both a reality and it's something that we should definitely try to change. And I feel like, um, you know, what everyone else is pretty much said. <laughs> Nice. Thank you, ladies. World you definitely know, exists at the same time. Absolutely, I love everything that you say. Uh, we, we that we've all we're, we're all talking about because this idea of womanhood, it can sometimes be a tough conversation because we are expected to be so strong, you know. Um, but yet our stories are not being told, you know. In my opinion, they are just beginning to be told. Like I was taking a look at some of. I love movies. I don't know if you guys know, but I sit and watch movies all day long. So 
And I also love, I just love sitcoms, anything. So, you know, this idea of what we're seeing now in the movies, all of a sudden, and I always say that this was definitely impacted, I think, by George Floyd's murder. I really do. That after the murder, we are now seeing more Black faces, more diverse stories in the media. Um, companies are being more, um, they are looking at diversity and inclusive, inclusivity, inclusivity is in a different way. All these things are happening because there is, that was this aha moment of we as a race of people have been mistreated. Okay, but these are some of the things that are now and I look at movies and, and TV shows and say, you know, they were all they these things come from great written works of art. Teal. Okay, a movie that just came out about, of course, Emmett Teal, the murder of a 14 year old down in Mississippi. Um, and his mother is telling this with the stories about Teal's life and his death, the horrific death of Emmett Teal. But on the cover is this beautiful black woman uh the woman king anybody saw the woman king amazing story uh starring viola davis said in the 1800s all female warriors to protect african kingdom of the Hami. uh we look at the small screen queen latifah is planning the equalizer queen sugar insecure we're seeing women black women in different places different spaces but are they getting it right? Are they really capturing? Are we all are we being able to see the real story of the black woman in America? I believe that they're beginning to move towards that. But ladies, talk to us about building that character that is a true character, that is someone that you know. And I always think about my mother, like you said, DM, the type of woman that she was. Are we seeing ourselves finally in these movies? And if we're not, someone tell me. What do we need to be saying to Hollywood, saying to the publishing companies? What do we need to be saying to them to get to the point where they are really capturing the true essence of Black womanhood? Anybody? Stop the stereotypes. <laughs> it's really quite simple. Like all Black women are not the same. Um, we all experience things differently. We all lead different lives. We all love different people. We all love differently. We are different. We're not... Again, these warriors, these, um, I was just watching, um, oh gosh, it's another, it's a sapphic vampire love story on Netflix with a uh, black vampire and a white vampire mm -hmm. hunter, or sorry, a, a white vampire and a black vampire hunter. And again, this family is this family of hunters are these strong, um, you know, very confident family. Of course they have their problems, but it's this, idea, this continuation of the idea that Black people are all strong warriors. Black people are all confident. Black people are all um, loud. They are um, trying to find adjectives that aren't wholly offensive because when I keep seeing these stereotypes in the media, it keeps perpetuating the idea that this is how Black people are to the rest of the world. And for many of us here, we are trying to change that narrative. We're trying to say that, no, not all Black women, not all Black people are warriors. We're not all strong. Some of us, you know, we deal with problems. Some of us have mental health issues. Some of us are dealing with physical issues, with, with illnesses that affect our everyday. Um, we're not 
these strong mules, like uh, the quote said, that, you know, some of us are soft. Some of us need care. Some of us need help. Some of us need to be carried. And our strength lies in making it to the next day and finding things to believe in. So excellent. I, I, I would love for media to get away from the strong black stereotype. Yes, we are strong. Yes, we are black. But that's not all we are. And that's all I seem to see in the media these days. And platforms like these are so important because um, I found that like the things that um, felt trendy or that, you know, fit the stereotype that I might even like, right? Um, that I was like, I don't like that no more, right? <laughs> um, but I think that it's so important that we have the variety there, um, platforms like this where you can meet women who write different genres, who have different personality types, who have different experiences, um, it's important that that is highlighted. Like when you mentioned insecure, like I was thinking like, yeah, awkward black girls who like things that, you know, people tell you you shouldn't like, who, you know, yeah. So it's one of those things where I think um, the more that we are in spaces um, and places that highlight those um varieties and differences um, as all great and all amazing and all still, you know, deserve an equal amount of, of attention and honor and value, then we can really start to see that um, Whereas before the, the the highlights and spotlights were so far and few in between, we just accepted because we were like, okay, they look like us. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I remember seeing, you know, a brown skinned girl that was, you know, a little bit chubby, right, on TV. And I'm just like, yes, she might mm -hmm. not even be the greatest actress, but that mm -hmm. representation just felt so good. And so now varying that um, to, you know, their interests and they're not just sideline characters, like they have a whole story and this whole journey that brought them to the place where we meet them, you know, is, is so very important. And Michelle, you also mentioned about um, these movies and TV shows being produced and people embracing diversity, um, equity, and inclusion. I think it's also important to realize that some of these um, companies are not doing so for the right reasons. And we also have to be cautious that um, the stories that may have Black characters may not be um, the idea of Black writers and creatives. Um, so I think it's so important that we do, you know, see the faces behind some of these things um, that are being produced and ensure that it's done so and that the right people get their coins for the creative um, outlets um, that they've they've created because um, sometimes it's just for profit, you know. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's why this is so important that we're talking as writers, people who are actually dumping all our imaginations and pa passions and everything on the paper because, you know, we, we talk a lot about the gatekeepers and they, they don't know who we really are. And, you know, they're making determinations about what the world wants to read, but yet aren't really having anyone at the table that represents us. Well, this is how we're going to get our foot in the door is to keep putting out and talking about it in whatever platform we can, you know, talking about it in a way like this, where it is a good conversation, not to tear down anybody, tear down anything but the, the, the oppression of this whole situation. But letting people know we want to be viewed as soft. First of all, we're just people, okay? Stop putting us in a box. Just stop, okay? Stop. All Black women aren't 
loud and, and crazy and, you know, ghetto fabulous. And some of us are. And some of us are all things, you know, and it's okay. So that's that's great. Thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate that. We've got a lot of comments coming in. Does anybody else want to tackle this before we move on to the next topic of uh, winning? We had a lot of com just comments coming in. I'm going to put a couple of up on the screen. Anybody want to respond to them? Please do so. I do want to bring up one additional thing about the movies. Uh, my husband and I often, often have this conversation that, um, you know, when it comes to like, okay, we want to move away from like strong black, everything's so serious. Like, can we just have fun too? Like, I think, you know, sometimes our counterparts get to have just like a silly comedy movie or, you know, this romance, or maybe, you know, we're into thrillers and we want, you know, we want to experience some suspense too like I think it's it's so important that you know we do get those spaces to just enjoy life there's there's black joy too you know outside of of being strong or or being so serious or having to be you know so studied and poised and and gracious and respond to everything just the way that it is and to be palatable for the rest of the world to receive and know you know um I can speak in the dialect that I grew up in and still give you you know an analysis of whatever um you know research i've i've read like you know there's there's so many little nuances to it and i think i love language so much that i i don't want to discount the importance of of just things for just enjoyment you know that it doesn't always have to have this edge of you know being so serious and and you know making such a, a movement while those things are definitely important and we need movies um and tv shows and books um that that shed light to that um i think you know impaired with the soft life we just need joy too yeah i i 100 agree i love that damn can i if i can add to that so uh i can't remember where i read it but it was also in uh i don't know if you've read seven days in june um where the main character in the story, she says she's an author and she writes paranormal romances. Um, and she makes a point that says, most people aren't interested in a black story unless it's about their struggle. The struggle mm -hmm. is what sells. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to write, you know, um, she was trying to write a story about, uh, the way that she wanted it anyway. I don't, I don't want to give too much away about the book because it's a great book. Um, and yet publishers and media was all, where's the struggle? Where's the mm -hmm. struggle? Where's the black struggle? That's mm -hmm. what people are looking for. And I think you're absolutely right in the fact that we, we want to present not just the black struggle where this warrior has to become a warrior because of the struggle that they've been put through. But let's have the fun times, let's have the meet cutes, let's have the little romantic sidelines, let's mm -hmm. have the, you know, just the funny movies that feature our, our people, that feature Black people, just having fun without the basis of the story being our struggle, being a struggle based on race, being a struggle based on class, being a mm -hmm. struggle based on something that has to do with our race. Absolutely. I want to take this question. Thank you so much, ladies. That was a great round. Um, I 100% agree with you, DM. And 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 um, Kalonda, we, we, we're regular people. We want to see stories about 
regular people. I don't, I, I have a hard time watching period pieces. I watched one last night, the latest movie by um, Tyler Perry. I cannot re remember the name of it. And I mean, I couldn't sleep last night. Wonderful movie. And I won't spoil it for everybody, but it just, these period pieces that take you back to a time when we were so oppressed that just seeing the movie just shudders you. It, it makes you feel like it, it just reminds you of how inhumane we were being treated during slavery, directly after slavery. And I struggle with watching those. I really do. I struggle um, because I want to laugh. And I'm going to say, yeah, a, a Jasmine's Blues, great movie. I think everyone should watch it. But it was a very hard piece for me because I am at a place in my life where I need to see that joy. I need to see us win. And that's what I'm pushing for. This is something on the screen, ladies, I want to talk a little bit about. Um, a user says, as a black man, I find the attribute of a strong black woman attractive. Maybe I'm programmed with stereotypical thinking as well, but I'm all, I've always viewed a woman that was too docile as unattractive. Am I wrong in the frame of thinking or adding to the stereotypical framing of what a black woman should be? Anybody want to take that? Cheryl? I mean, Cheryl? Yeah, I, I think that he's, you're not wrong, you know, um, because I think you have to clearly define what you, what you consider a strong woman to be, you know, because that's very layered. Um, you know, because then even in our our book, we showcase one of the main characters as having that life virtue of strength, you know, but that's not your traditional um, definition of strength with having that physical um, ability to be able to lift things up and be strong in that manner. It's more of a, a mental strength, you know, and so it depends on how you define strong woman, you know, because to me, that could be anything from a strong woman who's a little bit of bold, you know, she can adapt to a mentality of like thriving to survive and handling whatever circumstance comes her way, um, embracing adversity and developing a keen sense to, you know, be able to navigate through tough situations. And um, it could also be that, that balance that she possesses of, being mentally and emotionally stable, you know? So I think it's all in how that uh, that term strong woman is defined. And I think it's all often in our society depicted as uh, what we see in the media, you know, of being the, the strong black woman. I'm independent, you know, I don't need a man type thing. Mm -hmm. um, and when you get to that level of comparing um, the uh, being a strong woman to being close to a man, being a man, and then you're making those comparisons, then it's like that creates conflict. So I think it's it's all in how we how we word it and and how we define what is a strong woman. I agree. I agree. Let's talk about our characters in our books and strength. And maybe that'll help this particular person better understand how we view strength in a woman. Because when we sit down and write, you know, we're, we're digging into ourselves, right? We're we're writing characters and building characters that are a little bit us, a little bit mom, a little bit grandma, auntie, down, lady down the street, people we've interacted with. But we're building characters that we can stand behind because I'm not going to put somebody on paper that I can't stand up for. So let's talk a little bit about whether you're writing children's book, Christian 
novel, I mean, Christian fiction or self-help, sci-fi, paranormal fantasy. I have a hard time saying that, DM. Um, whatever you're writing, let's talk. Let's start with, start with you, Jessica. Let's talk a little bit about the characters that you're writing, that you're developing. And how do you show strength through them? So give us their name. Tell us a little bit about your characters. And if it's self-help, like for you, Olivia, if the, if, if, I'm sorry, you're not writing self, self-help. If somebody is writing self, self-help, still tell us about the development of the narrator and how you're showing strength through them. You want to start, Jessica? Sure. Um, so I wrote a book of poetry uh, titled Upendo. Um, which means love in Swahili. Um, and I wrote the poetry book as a as a love story. So it doesn't it doesn't, it's not a just a collection of random poems. It it follows a story. Um, and it follows a story of a of a young woman, young black woman, um, finding herself. And at the same time, it also has a story of a of a suitor who wants to be with her, but she pretty much friend zones him. So she, he's trying to kind of win her affections, but she's also trying to navigate um, that. I want, like, I want a bad boy type of relationship. So she's trying to do that, but he's a good guy trying to win her affections. Um, but what I wanted her character to be, and I wanted what I wanted my readers to get from her when you read her her short poems, is to see that she was she had her own issues that she was she was kind of working through. So that idea for what like you know wanting um, wanting that bad boy was mainly because she just really fa- failed to really understand her worth. Um, so she's kind of discounting and discrediting all the works and efforts of this good guy who's really just trying to just trying to be with her because she doesn't understand her worth. So you go through the short the the, the poetry book where you where she finds self-discovery and he kind of falls in and out of love with her as she goes through that struggle. But really it's just it, the whole point is her finding her self-discovery. Mm-hmm. And that's what Opendo is. And and that's and I really wanted that because like I know that's kind of was my own experience growing up I really didn't understand myself work so I kind of took whatever was given to me as opposed to really defining what I know what I knew love to be um, based off my own experience and experiences and my own needs and my own uh, boundaries um, and I wanted to to really showcase that through the the poetry my the book that I'm currently working on now I really love her character because I've been writing this book for years. And I've written it so many different ways, um, but I've never, I never deviated from who the characters were. I just tried to, I just couldn't get the stories right. And now I'm finally getting that story right. And um, so in the poetry book, the, the, the woman was nameless, but in my current book, her name is Yomi. Um, they call her Bird uh, for, as a nickname because of how she looks. Because another thing I really wanted to make sure with my book with my characters is that I didn't want to have them be the stereotypical, beautiful um, black woman, like the standard of black beauty. I wanted to really have her not be like this full voluptuous woman, you know, like the, like that you see on in the music videos. I wanted you to see her. I wanted you to see all form. I want my readers to see black women in all shapes and sizes and that be considered beautiful. So she's considered bird. She's called bird because she's of how she looks. She's very uh, slim, delicate and bird like, um, but she's very flawed, very flawed. But she doesn't showcase that. She doesn't showcase that in her work. Like so, she. Um, I'm not giving too much of the story away, but this is on the back of the, that cover. She was a CFO, and and now she's no longer a CFO. And that fall from grace is her trying to is that is her journey of self discovery. 
um, is her trying to figure out who she is as a black woman, who she is as a woman, not necessarily just a black woman, but who she is as a woman coming from her family, raised in the household that she was. Um, and what was really important to me, because like how we discussed earlier is how black women aren't a monolith, is not only discussing the awkward black, black girl, and while Yomi will have some mental health issues that she's struggling through, but she's also a Caribbean woman. She, her, her, her background is um, her mother, her mother, her parents are, are of Haitian descent because I'm Haitian. And I really find that to be really important because that's, you don't see Caribbean women. You don't see other cultures represented in black women. You have just the American black girl and that's all black women. And that's just not reality. Cause I've never seen a story about any Caribbean black woman on, on, on the big screen or anything like that. And I've, I've always found that to be so disheartening because our stories aren't the same. A lot of times that we, they do think that because we're black, we all have the same story. We did not grow in the, grow up in the same household. I can promise you that growing up in my Haitian household, I did not. There's so many experiences that I, like a lot of my American black girlfriends don't understand or can't connect with. But if I have any other Caribbean, it doesn't have to be Haitian, they, they pick it up immediately. Like they know like, oh, we must have all grew up in the same household. So I really want to create black women who are flawed, layered, and also for my black women, they usually have to come from some type of Caribbean uh, descent mm -hmm. just so I can have that in my story. You know, I think it's important that everyone understands that it, what we see in the media, and we talk about the media a lot, you know, what they show, what they say is beautiful. You know, you want to believe that the media's outlook or perception of us doesn't matter, but it does, because I feel like that's where this idea of strength comes from. It's like they're putting us in these boxes. And everyone has to, you know, when you meet people who aren't familiar with you, your culture, like you said about Caribbean women, we go back to what we've seen on TV, what we've seen, you know, in the news, what we've read in the news, what we saw in magazines. We, a lot of, if you're not familiar with the culture, you're going to pull in those stereotypes because that's what's, that's what you see. And so that's why we have to be in control and change the narrative. We have to make sure our books are getting out there, our stories are getting told, and we're building characters of women that we want the world to know and to see so that when they relate to us, they're not just thinking about a mammy, but they're thinking about this beautiful character in this book that they read about. I may not know a lot about the Black culture, but I read this book and this book had these beautiful Black women in it, and they were all from all walks of life, and I got to learn. You Books teach us. I don't know about you guys, but... I learned a whole bunch from books. I mean, I've been married 20 years and I dedicate that to books. Number one, the Bible and then <laughs> other books. So nonetheless, we do pay attention to those roles. So thank you so much for that, Jessica. I love that you're building these strong characters that are awkward and unique and human because I do the same thing. I want my characters to be women that people know, not just these beautiful, perfect women. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. Olivia, talk to us about your character building and how you're building your Black characters or narrators or whomever, whatever you're using. I mean, you've 27 novels. I can only imagine. Tell us about your strongest Black female character. So I'll actually um, put myself on the spot. So I got my start in urban fiction. And that was a very particular genre where I did write about, you know, the drug dealers or, um, you know, people in and out of jail. And then I realized I was like, wait a minute, I don't like how it makes me feel like, yes, the story is good. And, you know, the readers love it. They're reviewing it. But you know what? This is not me. 
And then so I kind of went back to the drawing board. I ventured into Christian fiction, which um, I'm a woman of faith. So I should have been writing about things that I knew about, you know, uh, to start with. But um, these characters were soft. They were broken. Some were suicidal. Um, some had, you know, promiscuous husbands. But you know what? At the end of it all, um, these characters receive redemption. There's messages of hope throughout my book. Um, and I wanted to write characters um, about women that I wanted to be personally. So whereas in this area of my life, I'm soft. You know, I'm writing about this character who in corporate America, she speaks up for herself. Or, um, you know, the the husbands that we always, you know, are told, oh, you should have this. He should be 6'2". That, no, you know, it's whoever God has put in my life as my husband. So I'm writing about these characters that are self-aware and, um, you know, discovering self-discovery. So I have a variety of characters, of course, in all my books. But the main thing is, can I see myself in each one of these women? Yes. Mm, love that. Love that. Um, Kalanda, tell us about your character. Sure. So I think I can relate a lot to what Jessica and Olivia said. Um, having the responsibility to write for some of our youngest readers, I wanted to ensure that I was affirming the things about them um, that they may not have seen before. Um, also, because my books have characters with um, disabilities, I wanted my disabled characters to not be a sob story. Like they're powerful. Um, my, my very first book um the main characters are um inspired by myself and um a friend of mine her name was alice um and so i created this world that i would have wanted for my child um if it were possible for alice and i to have met in kindergarten versus ninth grade um and so nia and araya those two characters um are able to to help influence one another um they like what they like they're they're in a performing arts school, um, which in our area is kind of like the nerds. Um, and they're fine with that. They encourage each other in that. Um, and so I always try to make my characters bolder than what I would have been in hopes that these young children will take that with them out into this world and not be afraid to be them be themselves. Um, and um, I also wanted to ensure that um, that kindness, that softness that I see in my own child, that she's not afraid to keep that um, because you know, again, there's this battle of like, here's who I am naturally and how, you know, God made me to be. And then this harsh world causes me to put up these, you know, these boundaries, these these brick walls. Um, and then when the people come along who deserve it, they can't get the real me because now I have this, you know, this facade. Um, so it was really important for me for them to to be different in that way. Um, and also um, with um, the second book of the series, Miss um, Kiki is a black speech pathologist. Like that's enough. Like children need to know that you can exist in this field. This is a career opportunity for you. Um, while you have to, you know, obtain your master's degree, you would have the ability to choose um, whether you want to work in a school or a hospital or have your own practice and do your own thing. Um, and so that was really important for me to have that, that character um, represent that. And also um, being a recovering perfectionist, as I call it myself, um, that book tells them, 
You don't have to be perfect. You can ask for help. You can be in special ed. It's going to be okay. Um, and giving them that. Um, and then the adult women characters that are in my book, while they may be, you know, sideline characters, they're not the, the main focus of the books. They represent those those things that, you know, may be a little bit scary for someone. Um, in my forthcoming book, um, the the main character and the and uh and his caregivers are his aunt and uncle. And Aunt D has vitiligo. Um she is, you know, so beautiful. She's gorgeous. I mean, illustrator, she's fine. Okay. Um, but I thought it's so important to provide that representation where nobody ever talks about it. It's not our business why, you know, his aunt and uncle raised him, but you know, she pours that love into him and also into herself and, and goes to the beauty salon. So she gets to live this, you know, um, soft life and represent, you know, that, the, the things that we can love that may um, be considered stereotypical um, while she's raising this, you know, rough and tough, um, uh, you know, boy type of boy. Um, so I want all of those characters to really, you know, represent the, the things that I feel like haven't been shown um, before and the things that I wish I was, you know, bold enough to be and do, um, including natural hair. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I really appreciate that. That was a great round as well. Um, we have to move on to the next topic, but I want to say that, I mean, for um, Sherelle and DM, quickly, just give me give me a line on your characters and what makes them strong. And then, Aletha, we're going to let you start out the second phase of this conversation, which is about winning. Okay, we're going to let you answer that first question since you, I know you had some, some technical issues, but you're with us now. So, um, Sherelle, tell us a, just very quickly about your male, your female characters. What are some of the characteristics you want the world to know about them? Well, I want them to know that they are brave, you mm -hmm. know, and they have courage and that they are supernatural beings. And, um, but they also possess a level of vulnerability that when tested, you know, they, they feel that pain too. Um, it was very important for me to do that with my three young daughters because I had to realize and come to the realization that I've been indoctrinating them with just only seeing that Eurocentric view of the girls who are brave. You know, it always went back to that main white character who was a girl who was like, she's the savior too. <laughs> and, but she has to be protected as well. So I, I and, and shows going back to the media that we used to see that I used to see and was always um, no one of color really having those supernatural abilities to tap into another world or another realm beyond what we're here, what we have now. So I wanted to explore that definitely and have my girls be able to see that this is you, you know, this is your history. This is a part of your history. So that was very important for us to capture that. Thank you. Thank you. DM, you want to quickly talk about it? Thank you. Uh, my character, Aaliyah Carter, um, she's had a pretty traumatic childhood. There are some trigger warnings at the beginning of my book. Um, she is a suicide survivor. She runs away from home and the traumatic experience she's just had there. And she meets a vampire who's looking to end his existence. He's been alive for 300 years and he is looking to end his life. Um, and my main character, she starts off and for a lot of the book, she's very scared. 
she's unsure about everything around her. She's just discovering that all of this exists. She has very bad anxiety. She is heavily depressed. Um, and the story is more about her journey of kind of accepting who she is as this person with anxiety, as this person with depression, PTSD, she's a survivor, um, and taking all of those experiences um, of from the trauma of her not liking the way she looks, about her not liking how her, her clothes fit on her body. When she looks in the mirror, she doesn't see herself. She's not sure who she's looking at. Um, she doesn't feel valued. She doesn't feel loved. Um, and through conversation and, of course, many paranormal instances, um, she slowly learns to love herself. She slowly learns to look in the mirror and see that maybe she is, you know, the people who are telling her that she's beautiful, maybe they have something right. Maybe she can agree with them. She sees these things. Um, mm -hmm. She gains the confidence. She's able to talk about her suicide. She's able to talk about the trauma of her past. And by the end of the book, it's about finding her voice. So the power of her voice. All along, she's felt like um, she's had no power of her own. And the, ep the epigraph actually is from Alice Walker. And it says, uh, the, the fastest way people give up their power is believing they don't have any. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been the moral through my book is someone who believes that they have no power finally finding what that power is within them, both magical power, but also the confidence and the acceptance of oneself and the acceptance of the past, the traumatic past, and knowing that um, there are things to continue living for and to help others to see that same thing that you found for your, that she found for herself. So my story is, it doesn't have huge um, character developments where, you know, they go from being no one to being this great warrior. It's more, she goes from being very insecure and really not loving herself and not giving herself enough value to saying, I'm important. What I want matters. My voice has, um, my voice deserves to be heard and I'm going to make decisions for myself. So it's a, it's a definitely a character growth Um it's a character growth story for Aaliyah. Give us the name again. Someone asked about that in the um, comments. The EOS key. Okay. Now, I, I love that. Ladies, you know, we just said a couple of things about our characters that I think are very indicative of how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about women in general. We're building characters that are uh, powerful. We talked about self-discovery, uh, finding self-worth, um, characters that are self-aware, that are bold, that have a soft life. I love that. We can have a whole pin posse on the idea of soft life because I haven't heard that before. But I like that as women, we're talking about as black women, we're talking about moving, not not being, moving away from the, the idea that we're so strong, but moving that to the side a little bit and seeing me as just a human and someone who needs help. I love that. Uh, we talked about self-love as well. So we're building these dynamic characters. I hope everybody goes out and buy our books and we'll definitely drop those. Be sure everybody drop your information in the comment area um, um, on Facebook or on YouTube so everybody know how to buy your book. So thank you so much for that round. I thought AW was going to be with us, uh, but she's still having technical problems. So we're going to talk about winning, winning in our writing. And what does that mean? What does it mean to win in your writing? For me, it's about controlling, controlling the narrative and building characters that people can connect with and people can see 
that I am not one thing. I am not just a woman, a wife, a mother. I am many things. I am many things. So what does winning mean to you? Anybody want to take that? We're just going to kind of go around about everybody won't get an opportunity. So just chime in if you want to. I'll start. I think we have a couple introverts um, on this panel, and that's why we're winning, because we found an outlet um, while mine through, you know, the span of my life has changed over time. I've always found a way to be creative and, and to shine. Um, and this is a new avenue for that. Um, and so I think it's important to realize that because, um, like DM said, we've recognized where our power is and tapped into that. That's what makes us winners um, because we're, we're giving the world the, the books that we wish we had, the characters that we wish mm -hmm. we had um, and further develop developing um this this entire you know span of uh you know it's a variety um that we need to give exposure to in that um it doesn't become just the one black girl on on the show it doesn't become just you know the side character um and that's what makes us win because no one's quieting me no one's putting you know a basket over my light anymore um i'm not um code switching for your comfort i'm not um you know hiding the fact that i like long nails with designs on them um and and I can have all of that and be all of that. And it's in my books and it's in the homes and hearts and hands of, of other families who, who feel seen with that. Well, we have just decided that you are no longer an introvert. Um, we're done with that title. Done. Throwing it out. All right. Any, I love that. Anybody else want to talk about what does it mean to win? Winning your writing, winning your life. What, what, is, what is winning for you? Well, Michelle, you took the words right out of my mouth because I um I had that it was actually controlling the narrative, mm -hmm. you know, because when you get to going back to media, you know, when we depend on Hollywood um to help us and we 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 need their assistance for everything instead of us banding together to come up with and produce things of our own, uh, you run the risk of things possibly in use the word whitewashed mm -hmm. you know um so you being able to control your narrative is definitely a, a winner for me i mean because you could you can you get to create a world whether it's full of constraints or endless possibilities i mean the choice is up to you right and mm -hmm. it being able to produce any body of work that evokes that love of emotion whether it's thought-provoking or captivating witty um sad or happy you know it's like that's what makes every stroke of that pencil pen or keyboard worth writing you know and it's all about controlling that narrative because once that's taken away from you then it's like everything's lost love it you're absolutely right anybody else want to take that uh and right for me winning in writing is when someone connects with the work so I, like many of us here, I've been writing since I was in grade school. Um, it's always just been a passion and I've never really published anything until just recently. And I didn't realize how much I wanted my story out there 
But then when people started reading it and connecting with it, I think that had the biggest impact on me and being a motivation, a motivating or motivator, sorry, for writing. Um, when people came back and said, you know what, I see myself in this character. I don't see this a lot. Just like many of the characters in our books and our blogs, um, having giving a voice to those who, to those black women who normally wouldn't be seen in these types of books. Um, letting them know that they're not the only ones that feel that way. And then when I get that back, when I, when I hear that someone has connected with my work and my writing and it spoke to them in that way, I think that's the biggest win for me. More than any kind of best-selling anything, it's one person just connecting with my story and understanding you know, who the character is and why I wrote it and why I did it the way I did. So. Because the writing is so therapeutic. It's healing yes. the reader, it's healing us. I don't care if you're writing about, you know, um, gigantic bears or if you're writing about vampires. The writing is so therapeutic. Mm -hmm. You know, it helps us to get to the soft life because you can pour out all these things, these stereotypes, these ideas about you and your work and then you can find yourself. It's like a self-discovery. I know for myself, that's exactly. And I feel the same way. If one person reads it and gets it, I feel like I've won. You know, there's so I much story that's out yeah. there. That's, that's, uh, you know, the big bears and the vampires and the witches, that's all great. And that's entertainment. But then we have these, the core of these characters and mm -hmm. when the readers, you know, connect with the core of the characters, regardless of um, who they are or what they are, that's definitely that's definitely a win. That's a W. Anybody else? <laughs> um, I wanted to add, like, so based off the comment on the screen uh, by Karma's Lyric, I do believe that that's what winning in writing is. Having um, this unapologetic uh, dedication to writing what you feel is yourself. Like you writing your character the way you want to write her or him and you just being unapologetically true to yourself and to your character. And I think that's extremely important in writing because I've had times where I've had um, uh, publishers tell me, okay, well, I want you to write your character like this. I need you to change this character's name to fit for, for us. And like, you know, at that time, you know, being a, a new writer and publishing, like, all right, sure, whatever, just you tell me whatever you want and I'm gonna do what you tell me to do having being able to do it unapologetically and be like no which is why i actually prefer self-publishing over traditional publishing um because i have so much control over what i do and what i put out whereas um under traditional pu publishing they have complete almost complete control over everything that you do and i don't like that um but if you're when you're able to unapologetically remain true to yourself um and then not and not have that hinge on um outward validation so like mm -hmm. okay i, I got 12,000 uh, reads or, 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 or purchases or whatever. I didn't get that, but I'm still okay because I, I, I wrote a story, I finished a story and I put it out there and it's real to me. Mm -hmm. I think that's winning in writing because we have a lot of, I, I, I'll go through the comments through the, through the Facebook page and I go, well, I'm an, I'm an aspiring writer. And I go, if you write, you're a writer. You, that, that's it. It doesn't mean that you, you have got to publish or like, if you write, you are a writer. Mm -hmm. And if you, Make sure that you stay, you stay true to yourself and stay true to your narrative and to your character and to your, and to your core. You've already won. And I think that that's really important to be unapologetic in what you write. Absolutely. And, uh, and we're going to talk about the self-publishing piece and the 
being authentic in the work and being able to own and control that narrative. I love what you said. You are absolutely right. You want to be able to be, you, you just don't want to have to apologize for everything. When I wrote my first book, I had those moments where people challenged me about certain things. Now, my first character was a white man and I, my main character was a white man. I didn't think anything of it. I wrote the book that came to me. And then I had folks to say, why wasn't he black? Well, it was wrong. He should have been black. And it was just like, you know what creativity is? You know, there are artists who just literally throw paint on the wall and, and say it's, it's art. And it is because if they perceive it as art, it's art. This is our craft. And we choose to do it how we want to. And you don't want to be controlled. You don't be a puppet in this because then how authentic is that? You know, if I only write the characters that you want me to write. And so I love I love what you said. Uh, we have a lot of good comments coming in. Anybody else want to continue to talk about winning? We've got another couple minutes on that before we talk about publishing. And then we're going to talk, go back, Jessica, to your comment about self-publishing. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So anybody want to talk about winning? What is winning to you? I was just going to say, you know, as writers, we have to be vulnerable. You know, we're putting our work out there. This is from the depths of our heart. So just being vulnerable and ladies, just um, the fact that we're writing, we're putting our work out there. That's winning in itself because there's so many people sitting on so many gifts, so many ideas, so many um, books. You know, I hear people say all the time, I want to write a book, but I don't know where to start. Or um, people won't read this or people don't care what I have to say. But the fact that we've actually acted on that and put our work out there, we're vulnerable. You know, we're receiving reviews, good and bad. Um, that's winning in itself. So I applaud you, ladies. And even those who are streaming, who are writing or wanting to write, being vulnerable in your writing, in your craft, in your gifts, in your work, that's winning in itself. Absolutely. I love that. And it's coming on the screen Winning and writing is finishing and publishing. I love that because the process in itself is not easy. Publishing a book, writing a book, organizing your thoughts, understanding your characters, building your characters, building your character pro profiles, knowing what you want the reader to feel about the book, to learn about. These things are not easy. I don't, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people are publishing, but it, it, it just beginning it and ending it is the win for me as well. It's a big piece of it. So I love that. Anybody else? I think we haven't heard from you, Sherelle. I think you're the only one we haven't heard from. Well, maybe we did. Did we? I spoke on it. <laughs> okay. But I love I love this comment though, because that's the absolute truth is actually finishing it because you got a lot of writers who just get the writer's block, right? And then they just stop or they hear the one no and mm -hmm. then stop. So definitely keep going. Keep going. That, absolutely. Absolutely. We have a couple more comments coming in, but we're going to transition since, we, since we've talked about winning. And I think we all feel the same way about this process. It's it's getting the work done. It's touching. Even if you're touching a few, I mean, if you touch many, if you become a best-selling author, great. You have definitely won. Nobody's against that. But we don't want everyone to go about writing with the mindset that they're going to be a millionaire. Most of us write and we're not rich from it. OK, we're rich from the experience, but we're not always financially rich from writing and publishing a book. And a lot of us, we don't talk about that a lot, you know, um, because sometimes the success is tied to the number of sales. You're only successful if you sell 
X number of books. Well, I don't see success that way. I don't think you ladies see it that, that way as well. So a lot of us, we're not millionaires from this. A lot of us are not even thousand dollar heirs or one hundred dollar heirs. Some of us are getting checks from Amazon for fifty nine cents. Um, it happens. OK, so if you're out there writing, know why you're writing. If you're writing to get rich, then know that this is this might this is the long game. OK, this is the long game to that. If you're writing to help heal yourself, the community, if you're writing to impact that one person that really is going to take what you've said and learn from it and grow from it, this is a great thing. Um, I wrote my first book with the idea that I was just going to put it on my shelf. I was not going to market it because it was a bucket list thing. I want to write a book. I wrote it. My husband was in Iraq. He came home. He saw it. and He said, no, we're going to market this. And I started marketing it. And it, if it wasn't for him, it literally would have been something I did and just put on the shelf because it, it was just me pouring out what I felt. Instead of my book sold several, you know, a couple of thousand copies and I was able to win a couple of awards. It was great. But I don't want people to get caught up in the idea that winning is about, you know, the money and that every writer is wealthy. To all y'all kin folks out there who think you guys are rich because you wrote and published a book. I'm just letting Most you know. authors are broke. <laughs> so, that's great. So we're going to transition to talk about publishing, but we've got a couple of comments. I want to put them up on the screen. So winning for me is um, constant, c constantly evolving, but at the stage of my writing, it's completing a project and breaking through barriers of fear and downplaying and dismissing my gifts and talents. Absolutely. Absolutely. Winning is getting to that point where you say, yes, I did this. I did it. Now, we do want you to do it well. We want you to do it well. And we're going to talk about that as well. Um, someone just really co-signing on Jessica on what you said unapologetically. That's how you need to write. Um, love that. My drive is connection. And yeah, absolutely. We want to connect with those readers. That's that's really important. And so we're going to talk about publishing now, because I think that's a big piece of this. We, we, we've talked about womanhood. We've talked about win, winning. Now we're going to talk about writing and publishing and those experiences, because I feel like, you know, one of the things on the Black Writers Workspace that we focus in on is making sure that people know what resources are out there. So we do want to dig into that. Uh, and, and I'm going to be putting up some of the comments, continue to put up some of the comments on the screen. There was a question about writing, and I want to go back to it. I'm not sure if the person is still listening. It was a while back. But to those of you out there, thank you so much for sticking with us. This is two hours, but it's very informative. This person said, what are some of the examples of writing practices you all have found helpful for completing intentional projects for publication? What are some of the writing, um, some of the examples, writing practices? Um, this can be, this is a really tough one because many of us do this in stages. So if anybody wanna talk about the stage of just preparing to write. So one person talk about preparing to write. And the 27, the person who's published all these books, talk to us about your process in preparing to write and some of your practices. We would love to know about that. Sure. So it depends on the book, of course, um, because I can get a book, you know, I can be sleeping and wake up, you know, and just have this idea. So I go get my laptop and I'll just flow for a couple hours. Or there's some projects that take, you know, six months to a year to write because I'm researching on it or, you know, I'm just going through 
okay, what do I want this character to be? What do I want her to look like? What's her job? What, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so it really just depends on the project and of course the author. Um, I have found though that you must be a reader to be a writer as well. Mm -hmm. And um, especially if you're going for, now I'm self-published, but if you're going for one of the major publishing companies, it is great to research what's trending. So like for Hallmark or Harlequin, you know, some of their trends are, you know, they're in the, the Western kind of fiction or, you know, your main character has to be a cowboy. So now I'm researching that aspect or, um, you know, around Christmas time, they like to put pets at the forefront of a book. And so, you know, you're kind of reading about canine companions. So it just really depends on um, not only the publishing company, but it depends on your genre. It depends on the author. Um, I don't have any specific process. I love to type out my words and I'll just go for a couple hours. You know, I tend to come alive around like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And, um, you know, for four hours, I'll sit there and get it all out. If I encounter writer's block, I'll put that project aside and, you know, I open up, you know, the possibility of writing an entirely new book and then I'll go back and revisit that idea. Um, but I draw inspiration from everything around me. There's nothing in particular that kind of just triggers me. Um, I feel like ladies and I don't know if you agree, but. Um, I'm a people watcher. And so I'll kind of like, you know, at a restaurant, I'll see this person. I'm like, you know what, that would make for a great character. So I kind of look at this person, you know, try not to be a creep, but I'm looking at this person and, you know, they're inspiring um, a new character. So um, I feel like we just can't, as writers, we can't turn it off. Um, but it's just a matter of being very, very organized, staying on top of your time management, and then also hitting like those word counts. So we know different um, books call for different um, novel or word lengths, word count lengths. So, um, you know, like I said, if it's a short story, I can spend, you know, a couple weeks, couple months um, writing it. If it's something that I want, you know, 350 pages or um, 250,000 words, you know, I'm spending six months really developing this character in this story. So, um, you know, that's great. So that's the, 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 before you write research get inspired you don't turn it off as a writer i love that you said that because that is so true before we get to actually working on that outline i also want everybody at this stage once you've kind of started the, the preliminary work is to start thinking about your genre know your genre understand where you fit i've because i read so much work from the black writers workspace and i i work with so many writers one of the things i see a lot is that a lot of us don't know our genres and so we go into a very broad one and we can't be competitive in that sector so just please do your homework on that secondly it really is knowing your audience and knowing your genre is also going to help you to know your audience but know your audience i am guilty of putting a book out that i really feel like i did not know my audience well and i can tell you it really hurt my marketing um for that book so know those two things anybody want to talk about your do you outline for your book do you build um character profiles anybody want to talk a little bit about that i mm -hmm. i don't do outlines um i did outlines before and it actually hurts my writing um because it because when i when i did an outline for a book i outlined it from start to finish and then by the time i finished it i was like all right well i already wrote it so the so the 
the joy from it kind of died. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't, I can't outline a book. I need to freestyle it when it comes to writing um, a book, but I do do character profiles. I need to get to know my characters because I'm very character driven. I'm not plot driven. And um, so I take, so for me preparing for a novel honestly is getting to know my characters, um, knowing them fully. When I say like knowing them, like are they coffee drinkers who like whiskey? Um, are they a dog person or a cat person? Um, uh, where, where they go to school, what kind of parents do they have? Do they have siblings? I really need to know their char my characters um, like very detailed, like, like they're from their childhood up until the, the point where I start my story because it, the story is character driven. So I have to make sure that everything that they do is um, relates to their character. They're, like, so I don't want anything to happen in the story where you go, well, this doesn't make sense for your character. Why did she make this decision? Or why did he do this choice? I'm very character driven. So I do do character profiles, not too intense. Because again, if I do too much of my story where I'm out, like I'm prepping it or I'm outlining it, I won't, I'll lose the motivation for it. Um, so I need to make sure that I kind of give myself enough to write it. Um, but then stop right when I get to the point I'm like, all right, I'm doing too much. Let me go ahead and pull back and actually get to writing the project. So usually when I get a story, I, I do a quick little page uh, blurb about all, well, not like a uh, paragraph blurb about all my characters. And then I go straight into writing. Excellent. So now we've, we've laid it out from the beginning. We've looked at our genre, our marketing. We have decided whether or not we're going to outline or don't outline whichever course of action we've done some character profiles. I want everybody at this stage also to start thinking about who's going to be editing your book. Start looking at that and making a determination and making it clear to yourself that you will get a professional editor. I, I think that is something I'm just really big on because I read so much work. And honestly, ladies, there are just some dynamic writers out there. Okay. But there's no standard in writing in some situations. So you've got this great story, but it's poorly written because there has been no either self-editing self editing, or professional editing taking place. So we definitely should want to do that as well. So what's next for everyone else when you're in that process of writing your book? What happens once the book is done? Anybody got any practices they want to share? When I've, like when the draft is done or when the book is final draft and the ready to be published? Either one, you can take either one. We just want to know what. <laughs> well, um, I I'm going to be honest and say I don't sit down and read a lot of books. I, I consume all of my literature through audiobooks, uh, and so I knew that I needed to have an audiobook companion. So as soon as I'm done my book, I went straight to audio. So I start editing it for audio um, because not always does the do the words that you put down just to be read, translate very well when it's being spoken or being performed. Um, so then I go into editing the actual book, the dialogue and the, um, and just phrasings or, or, or changing certain words because um, maybe it doesn't come across very well in the audio. So it's definitely going back and then listening. So I have a computer program that will read the book back to me because I do believe that every person who writes something should have it read back to them. Listen to it to see how it sounds. Not always do we um, pick up everything when we're reading it ourselves. 
So having someone read it to you or having a program read it back to you, A, it's going to help catch any mistakes that were left in because the computer is only going to read what's on the screen. And secondly, you can hear the conversations. You're not reading the conversations. There's something different between hearing the words being spoken and reading it on the page. For me, at least, it hits differently. So um, making sure that when I listen to that text, that it sounds like actual dialogue, that it sounds like a conversation, it sounds real, um, and it's not going to pull the listener out of the story thinking, well, why did they say it that way? Or I'm confused as to who's speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a big going back and looking at the looking at the text from a different point of view when it's all said and done. I, what I love, I'm sorry, Jarrell, you want to say something? I, I actually wanted to add to that because my process is actually a collaborative um, to process with my brother because we co-write and co-created this series, you know, because it's based, it's inspired by my three daughters, right? So these characters are sisters and it's, it's going to be a, a outline of where the, the storyline is going to somewhat grow as my girls grow as well, you know, so because the introduction is them coming into knowing and discovering their powers. But to add to what DM was saying, so when we, my, my, my brother is also a uh, English writing major. And so what he does is even if a lot of my process with writing and coming up with ideas and concepts have also have come into play with me just off of me having a dream (laughs) and me going off into that other parallel universe in the dream world. And then um, having that epiphany of something and a character is created or another idea is is created for the storyline. But, um, and then what he does is he'll also take it and he'll add his flair on it and then turn it into uh, a rhyming. So the book also rhymes as well. Hmm. And so, but what we do is, going back to what DM was saying, uh, we sit on the phone, you know, we outline it, we got all the the um, bars and stanzas, and then we read it, you know, each stanza at a time and just go through it um, just to make sure us hearing it, it sounds good as we're reading it out loud. And sometimes also I'll have um, my eldest daughter, who's like 10, um, have her read it out loud to her two younger sisters. And we wanted to be kid friendly, right? So why not have a kid read it? <laughs> and so um, it's funny because even she has found an error too um, at times, just little small grammatical things. Um, but I think I actually like the idea of that DM mentioned with the audio and having it being read through that as well. I love that. Um, ladies, this has been great. Now let's talk about this self-publishing and what this has allowed us to do. And we're going to take this back to womanhood. I mean, we had something on the screen here. So when going to a publishing company, is there a length of time you are expected to complete a book? I know from just my research that if you are with a publishing company, uh, a lot of times they do like people or like writers who are going to do um, sequels or multiple books in a series. And so they will ask you to write a book in a certain amount of time. Remember, when you're with a publishing company, they're there to make money. You're there to make money. And so a lot of this has to do with, um, from my understanding, and I have never gotten a deal, so I don't want to misspeak, but once you get those deals, you then, then the publisher has to position and market your book to sell it so that they can make back the money they've just basically given you on, you know, as part of that, that contract. 
And so, you know, the more books you can put out, it's like anything else, you know, they want you to write more books. If it, this one is successful, they're going to want you to write more. So will it be a time frame? Possibly so. If you're someone who doesn't want to write on deadline, then you may not want to try to go after those big deals with a big publishing company. Anybody else want to throw in, you know, quickly anything about that? I think, Jessica, you said you had a big a deal with the publishing house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it honestly depends on the publishing company. They'll tell you what their um, what their requirements are. Um, my publishing company required the book to be complete before they even start the deal. Um, so I had to, some, and my book was complete by the time I, sh I, I shop it around. So I didn't have to worry about that. Um, whenever they had requests, they expected that to be my response to be quick. They, and so it wasn't like, okay, um, you, here's our request. You have a few months to go ahead and figure that out. No, they wanted a, a response within a week or so. Um, so, it, but it honestly depends on the publishing company. Um, some publishing companies are okay with you having um, unfinished work, but they will give you deadlines. Okay, well, we need you to, to, to meet by this um, time frame. but um, most of the time they're gonna want your work to be complete and then they'll tell you exactly how often they want you to communicate based like through the editing process. So tell me everybody on the screen, are you self-published or do you have a, an existing deal with a publishing house? Just very quickly. Jarrell? Yes, yes, we, we are self-published. My brother actually had started his own um, publishing company years ago uh, called Throwback Publishing because uh, he's also authored a young adult um, novel called Enigma's Child and another children's book called uh, Bruno the Morky. <laughs> so um, for for me, the process was, was fairly um, smooth with knowing that that platform was already already exists. Okay, DM. Uh, I am self-published. I started a publishing company called Ash City Press, which is a vanity press. Um, and yeah, I did pretty much everything myself from, except the editing <laughs> and uh, the book cover. But uh, yeah, even the formatting of the inside of the book, the audio book, I auditioned every month. I saw what ACX wanted to do and uh, I decided to do it on my own. I produced, directed, wrote, edited um, with seven different narrators on my audiobook, um, and then shopped it out to, not shopped it out, but distributed it through a bunch of different online retailers myself. So everything has been DM Lurie slash Ask City Press um, mm -hmm. from start to finish. It's been a, a, a lot of learning, a lot yeah. of learning over the Absolutely. past few years. Jessica? I have self-published and I have been traditionally published. I had a deal um, a few years ago uh, under the Zane Presents uh, imprint. Um, and so that was, that was quite a while ago. Um, and then recently, most recently I've done, I've done self-publishing. Um, mm -hmm. I just prefer it um, because I have so much more control. Like mm -hmm. when I did tr tr traditional publishing, I was required to change the name of my characters because it conflicted with uh, other big names. Um, they had complete control over the cover. I mean, obviously I could pick out of these four covers that they, that they completed for me, but they ultimately designed the cover. Whereas with self-publishing, I designed the cover, the formatting, um, obviously not the editing, but I, I have complete control. The only difference is that with self-publishing, it is all on you. And so if you are not good at marketing your book, if you're not um, out there selling your book, no one's gonna buy your book. 
Um, whereas with the traditional publisher, because they're trying to make their money back, they're going to do that for you. So they're going to put mm -hmm. it on several different platforms. They're going to uh, develop relationships or utilize the relationships that they already have to put your book out there in libraries and bookstores, um, websites. So that was a lot. That's a part of traditional publishing that I do like is that I don't have to do all that lead work. Um, whereas with self-publishing, um, you just have a lot more self-control. But either way, I still do prefer self-publishing um, because it's just it makes me feel better when I do everything on my own, the cover, mm -hmm. like when I bought, purchased my first uh, ISBN number, I felt really good about that. Like mm -hmm. I, like I did something really <laughs> independent for myself. So I, I really, um, I, I, I prefer self-publishing, but I, but I've done both. Great. Great. Thank you so much. Olivia. I started off with a publisher, but now I'm fully self-published. Great. Yolanda. Yolanda. Um, same as DM, um, I'm self-published underneath my own press, Purposeful Legacy, um, and I enjoy it. But just like Jessica said, like, you get to make all the decisions, but you get to make all the decisions right. and do all the work. Um, but it's definitely rewarding to have my hand in each of the things um, and be able to have my values um, incorporated into the, the books that I publish. Well, I am also self-published. I have three books. My first book was Vanity Published, and I did benefit from the fact that they did have those connections and could get me in bookstores and things like that. But I paid about $1,200 up front, and I can tell you that um, if I could do it again, I would have just self-published it myself um, because there are still, to this day, uh, accounts I can't get into because the Vanity Publisher has access to them, and I would have to pay them to get that access. Now, this was over 10 years ago. So it was a little different then. I'm sure I'm hoping Vanity is better now, but I completely self-published two books, one a comic book and my last novel from Darkness Tonight and um, love the process. But like you said, you wrote it, you own it <laughs> and you have to promote it. And I am all the hats. promoting all the time. So we're going to spend this last 15 minutes, ladies, answering some of these questions that are coming in. Um, and that have come in over the last two hours. Uh, I tried to put as many up on the screen, but there were so many, but I want to go back. And so anybody out there, if you have some pressing questions for the ladies and on any topic, you can drop those um, in and we will discuss them. This is one here. So we're going to do this for about 10, 12 minutes, and then we're going to let everybody wrap up. I do ask everyone on the screen to drop your information in the comment area if you can if you can find this on facebook youtube or if you can see the comments on your screen right here on Streamyard, drop your name your book and your links and i do encourage everyone to go out there and purchase these books that's what we're all about is supporting each other but this is one of the questions from amy it says this is so informative do you feel it's important for the white community to read your stories to educate themselves and better understand the black community i want to start by saying that i wrote a piece on medium.com about the fact that this national conversation that we so talk about, we need to have about race in this country should start, or actually, I don't even know if it needs to exist at this point, but it needs to be one that is only done with people who have read books about different cultures, okay? If, because a book opens your mind to how people live, how they exist, the things that they do. And there are still people in this country, in this world who just aren't exposed to different cultures. So if I'm a police officer, I'm just throwing this out here. If I'm a police officer, I'm a white police officer, and I, I know nothing about growing up on the black side of town other than the people there are criminals. 
you know, the women there are hard, the, the, the men are doing drugs, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's what I know. That's what I've seen in the media. I'm going to have a different approach when I go into that community. But if these police officers or teachers or whomever, all of us are, are asked or required to read books about people in different communities, understanding who they are, what drives the different things that happen in their culture, I feel like it allows us to connect. Because growing up for me, and I don't know about all of you, I read all types of books. My favorite book was The Diary of Anne Frank. I learned about the Holocaust. I learned about the Jewish community and I felt connected and I felt like I understood them. Anybody else understand that? You can answer the question or you can pivot to what I'm asking also, which also I think answers the question is that, do you feel it's important for the white community to read stories that educate them about it? I do, I do. If you're not going to go out and get to know us and connect with us, read books, good books about us, learn about the black community because we have had to, right? Everybody on the screen, you've had to read books about people who didn't look like you, and you got to learn about them. Anybody else want to take this up? Got a comment? I think it's important just to read and just to get to know the characters. Um, I have children that relate to my characters um, and their parents do as well, just because their experiences, when you take off everything else, um, they they can relate to, to what that is. You know, I was at a book festival last weekend and a little girl, little white girl, um, knew my my character and um, they had purchased through Amazon and so she didn't get my special gift and so I gave her the magnet because I knew they had it and I know her family um, but she was riding off in her wheelchair with that little magnet in her hand and it's two black girls on the front of that book one is in the power pose and she was as happy as could be because she could relate to those characters um, so much and so sometimes I think it's just important that we just human and if you just <laughs> you just read, um, you know, just whatever piques your interest um, and, and, and diversify, you know, what what you go for um, beyond what things look like. You'll find more commonalities um, than differences sometimes. Absolutely. Anybody else? Love that. Yeah, I definitely believe reading outside of your favorite, outside of your, get out of your comfort zone. Um, if I believe that if I want to write diverse characters, I need to diversify my reading um, and learn because I, I can only, I can only bring to the table what I know. Everything else I learn, everything else I absorb from the outside world. So unless you're, unless you're experiencing other cultures, unless you're experiencing uh, like, or learning about other situations, um, I don't think you can be the best writer you can be. So yes, it is very important to, or even not just a writer, just a person in general, to educate yourself, to to not be a sheep and not follow what everybody's doing or whatever is saying, but to take the information that you get, whether it's in a book, whether it's online, whether it's on TV, and then find out for yourself, do the research, go and find other authors of the same genre, or go and find the source material for that news article. Go and expand your, your, um, your, outlook, expand your view. And I think that makes just people better in general, more understanding, more uh, ready to accept people's differences than to, you know, fight them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Someone's asking about an editor. How do we find, what's the best way to get 
an editor. Uh, this is a question that's come up on past pen posses, and something I, I hear a lot is you want an editor that can relate to your type of work in writing. Um, because sometimes you, I've had people in the past talk about having editors who were not familiar with the Black experience, were not familiar with the Black community, and wanted to make a lot of changes in their work that they could not relate to because it was cultural ways of doing, you know, how we say things, how we do things, and they could not relate. So they wanted those things to be removed from the work. So one advice is to find someone not so not necessarily have to look exactly like you, but that can understand where you're coming from. Anybody else want to talk about the best way to find a good editor? Other than word of mouth, of course, asking your fellow authors, asking your fellow writers, um, joining writing groups to find out what people are doing. There are so many websites out there. Um, like in Canada, we have editors.ca where it's literally just a website, uh, a database of certified editors across Canada. Um, it's listed by genre, it's listed by location, um, down to language and if it's a man or a woman. Like it's, there are a lot of resources out there. Um, definitely I would suggest working with someone like you said who who knows your genre who knows what to look for who knows the colloquialisms or the idiosyncrasies of um the stereotypical characters that go through that genre um but also hopefully seeing their work that something that they have done before um there are so many people out there in this day and age this digital day and age that are selling nothing um and it's very easy to come across people that say they can deliver you one thing and, and cannot. So just like you would look at somebody's resume, look at their body of work if they have one and see the projects that they've worked on um, to get a sense of their work, essentially, and their ability. This question here I love, does self-publishing take away a lot of time from your focus on writing and other practical jobs you have? I'm a mother of three in an elementary School teacher is self-publishing another major job. Uh, major job, I wouldn't say, but job, yes. It's because uh, if you want to be successful at self-publishing, you need to have a marketing strategy. And we have these tools like social media, email marketing, podcasting. These things take you dedicating time. I wake up every day and I create content. Not just, you know, I have a PR firm, so that's a big part of it too. But I have to create content for my book pages if I want to promote my books. And when I promote my books on social media, I typically will sell a few. If I go speak at an event, I typically sell a few. Of course, book fairs, um, all these things are important because, you know, the writing is something you do. Once it's done, you have to take off the creative hat and put on the entrepreneur hat. And you have to begin to build a sales strategy, a marketing strategy, all these different tools. And then you have to implement it. So it does take some work. But there are people out there who can help you use them. Use them. Don't have, don't feel like you have to do everything yourself. You don't have to create your own book cover. You don't have to upload your own books to distributors. You don't have to, you know, market along. Use someone, and 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 I think that's that will help you in a great way. So, is it a job? Yes, but it's worth it. And I don't think it's a major job. And as a mother of three, uh, if you if you're a planner, you can make it happen. Anybody else want to chime in on that? 
I think it's perfect what you said, and it's also outsourcing. So I have certain strengths that I know I can do, and the things that I can't, I find someone else who can. So just because it, it's self-publishing, it doesn't mean that you can't have other professionals along the way. I think it's also important whether looking for an editor. I saw someone else asking about Black illustrators. Um, there are groups, um, platforms, uh, whether that's you know social media groups or um, groups in your community, your local library. There's other places and spaces where you can connect with other writers who have connections. Um, and it's so important that once you've taken those steps, um, such as what we're doing right now, that you share it so that, you know, other um, black writers can have, you know, the opportunities and maybe don't have to bump their heads um, on the same places that you bump yours. This is, I'm going to skip to this one. I've got so many coming in, ladies, but we've got five minutes to go. This has been a great pen posse roundtable. Lots of good information. Love the conversation on women, uh, womanhood and women. I think we, I think people who have been with us for two hours are going to walk away having learned a lot, but we also have given them a lot of inspiration. So let's, let's wrap up. Um, and I'll try to, let's see if there's any, we did a lot of our writers on the screen have put their information in the comment area. Once again, we want to encourage everyone to buy their works, to support them, uh, follow them on social media, do everything that you can to support, support, support. Because as that question asks, is this a job? Yes. And we're working right now, right? We're all working right now. So this is what it takes. You need to have yourself out there. Introverts, it's hard to sell a book when people don't see you, right? And I know that because I'm the same way. I didn't have a podcast. I, no one ever saw me on screen until 2020 when I started to create the, the Black Writers Workspace. I started with 15 people. Now it's over 13,000. And I did it because I wanted us to be able to share resources. But I also knew that I couldn't just hide anymore. It was like, OK, now it's time to, you know, pull out the makeup and put on some lipstick and, and, and talk to the writers because I love it. So as self-publishing authors, what advice would you give? Uh, give us uh, up and coming authors that want to self publish on where and how to start. I not only want to take that question, but I want everybody to take this as a final question to give something, tell us something, tell our writers why it's important that they continue to write. Okay, so you can take the question, but also this will be your final comment to our writers, and we want to leave them with inspiration. So let's start with you. Um, Sherelle, um, let's start with you and then we're going to go down the line and you guys just answer the question as best as possible. But more than anything, leave, leave us a couple of nuggets of inspiration. Well, I think that um, first and foremost, you have to want to do it. You know, um, you have to have some level of inspiration and motivation. Um, and I think that it's good to have that support system around you as well. Um, that is um, encouraging you also to do it. I mean, you could be a self-starter, right? And take the initiative to do it. But I think that having that support is crucial because when I started out on this process, um, I thought my brother was going to do all the writing. And I was sitting at my desk that day. And when he told me, oh, no, you're going to write this. I was like, what? And um, I was like, I'm not an author. You're the author. You wrote the books, but the previous books. And he's like, no, I mean, anybody can write, really. You just have to get into a state of, of, of mind to be able to create. And, you know, because we're all creators, right? So I think that if you if you have a drive, if you have a passion, mine is actually accumulated and turned into a passion because I love connecting 
with those children um, who actually see themselves in these characters and um, enjoy it. And so that's a thrill for me. So I think you got to want to do it and just keep going. Don't stop, you know, whether that one know and just know that true success should be measured by the value you set on your own work and not really the thoughts and the criticism of others. So I think that's very important. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with us. You have been amazing. We've learned so much from you. I can't wait to pick up your books. I hope everybody else will do the same. And tell your brother, we said, thank you. Next time we're going to let guys be a part of the story. Tell him we said thank you for all the work that he's doing. Awesome. Um, thank you. And for our youth. DM? Um, I think the biggest piece of advice that I had gotten or I'd received when I started writing the EOS key was that someone out there, and I didn't believe it at the time, but someone out there is waiting for your exact book to be written. A lot of authors that I meet, um, they have imposter syndrome. They think my book isn't good enough. No one's going to want to read my book. I don't know why I'm writing this. This is just for me. I'm not going to publish it. Um, but I love the story so much and I think it would be great. Like this is a lot of authors out there that have all these books sitting in their computers or in their notebooks and they do nothing with it because they don't think anybody but themselves will want to read it. And when I received that piece of advice, someone out there is waiting for your exact book. Um, it sounded very general at the time, but it is the absolute honest truth. One person out there will relate to your book, will reach out to you and say, thank you for, for putting in all of this work. Thank you for having your voice heard. Thank you for going through with it all and making, making, something tangible that we can take with us that we can relate to that helps us to feel seen. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the biggest piece of advice I really have to, to pass on, I guess, is that don't, don't write thinking that no one else is going to write it. If you don't put it out there, you're not giving anybody the opportunity to absolutely love it and for you to become their favorite author. Absolutely. Thank you, DM, for everything that you're doing. Congratulations Thank you, on winning by the, way. <laughs> the uh, Step 1 writing competition. And we look forward to continuing to read your work. And so thank you so book much. Book two is coming. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Keep writing. You. Absolutely. Um, Jessica? Um, I want to go back with to what DM said about um, being a part of a writing community. I think that's probably the best advice that I can give someone who's trying to uh, self-publish a novel, mainly because there was like being a part of the Black Writers Workspace on Facebook. There are so many things I didn't know about that writers just be like, they were like, hey, you heard about that um, that competition we're doing? And I'm just like, there's a competition. Like they, they know about so many things in the writing world that you don't know about that you won't just know um, on your own. Like just yesterday, someone was like, oh, thank goodness I, I won third place for this writing competition. I'm just like, how are you finding all of these competitions or these book awards? Being a part of an active writers group is probably the best way to be able to, to, to really improve or um, to get into self-publishing because there's so much you don't know. And you don't know you don't know it until you get into that writers group and they'll tell you all these things that you have no idea um, was even out there. They'll tell you about editors, they'll tell you about publishers, they'll tell you about literary agents, competitions, book fairs. 
they will tell you about so much and all of these things are, are are necessary to really market yourself the entrepreneur side they'll have people go hey you want to beta read my my story and people are and they and they want to do it before like prior to writers i had to like beg my friends to read this you know my, my my first three chapters and they'll be like you know they're not writers they don't really care about that but other writers they want to support you and it's just it's so amazing to be a part of an active and engaging writer community and it's like nothing else. It, you feed off each other, you improve, you guys, you, you, you create relationships and bonds. It makes you a better writer. Um, it makes you tapped into the writer space and to the, it, it, it's, it's really um, unparalleled and what, and what you need to do to, be, to start up as a, as a self-published writer. So if you're not a part of a writer's group, definitely get in one because you won't, if you're a self-publisher, if you're a writer in, um, in any in any way, you just, you won't, you won't know how much it'll change your life as a writer until you get into it. So I definitely would say that's the, honestly, the best um, tip I would give to any self new writer is to get a part of an active writers group. And as far as how, um, you know, why it's important to keep writing is because if you're a writer like me, I, I, I would tell, I, I tell my husband, like, writing for me is like, like I feel heavy when I have a story in me. I feel heavy, and I can't I can't function until I get it out, and I, I have to get it out. So if you're if you feel like that, where like you just got this story that you need to get out, just write it down, write it on paper. Because if if you are really a writer and that's something that's in you, you won't be able to think about anything else. You won't be able to do anything else. You won't be able to function until you get you until you release. And so, and it's, and it doesn't have to be great because a lot of writers get in their own head and go, well, I didn't write this well, or this, these first pay, uh, five chapters are terrible or, you know, and they get in their head and they, and they block themselves and they go, you know what, I, clearly I'm not a writer. No, make sure that you, like you get it out because once you start getting it out, one, you'll, you'll start getting better. Um, you'll, you'll develop yourself, you evolve as a writer and you'll feel that release and it'll feel better. You'll have that addiction growing and you'll just become this, this writer um, that everybody wants to read and everybody wants to, um, you know, get to know and stuff like that. So just make sure that you get, that you write and then you finish and things like that. I think you're on mute, Michelle. All right, ladies, see that? It's time to go for real. Anyway, I thank you so much, Jessica, for everything. Thank you for winning our book cover award. Thank you for being with us. You've added so much value to this conversation. Continue to write. Um, we know you're doing great things, and I love what you said because, like I said, I started Black Writers Workspace because 10 years ago when I published my first book, I didn't have a community, and I literally knew nothing about how to publish a book. I just had a few people saying, I'll look at this or look at that. And I was just, I hate to say it, spending money on things I didn't need. I didn't understand the process. So I wanted to make sure that we have a good community. And I think the Black Writers Workspace is that space. It really has become really informative. I learned, I have learned so much. I've literally changed book covers. I've rewritten things because of what I've learned on the page, people saying things. I've learned how to market myself differently. So it's really good information. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, Olivia? Yes, well, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you again, Michelle, and thank you to all the panelists. Um, I truly want to support everybody and hope we can, um, you know, collaborate in the future. But um, to future writers, um, prospective writers, always know that there's no perfect story out there. 
But when you remember your why and why you're doing it, you know, just stick with that passion and the story will tell itself. And I don't want people to get caught up on there's nobody buying my story or, you know, I don't I'm not getting reviews on Amazon or, you know, the people that need to read your story will read it and your work will matter in the long run. Mm -hmm. um, and contrary to belief, we are a strong community. It's just a matter of finding those right resources and being vulnerable enough to reach out for help. Don't be afraid of, you know, asking for help or how can I do this? Do you edit? Um, you know, there's always somebody willing to, to help. Um, and then also remember, if you were writing before you were getting paid for this, then stick with that. You know what I mean? Because I feel like most of us, we all started writing as little children. We didn't know we could get paid for doing something that we absolutely love to do. And so now that we're in that field, you know, sometimes we kind of lose sight of that. So never forget your why. Um, and then know that family and friends, sometimes they won't support, sometimes they won't buy those books. But for every five people that are not buying your books, there are 10 more people around the world who you may never meet, who are just absolutely in love with your work. And then lastly, for my introverts, um, the authors that have that imposter syndrome, I dealt with that. After 27 books, I still deal with that. Um, but you have to get yourself out there. Um, you have to do it afraid. Yes, I'm uncomfortable. Yes, this is not my um, comfort zone. But you know what? I have to be seen. I have to get my work out there. And then once it's done, it's done. You can say, you know what? I've made my mark. I've, I've published this book and it'll um, it'll change the lives that it's supposed to change. So stay encouraged. Absolutely. I love I love that. Um, do it afraid. That's my motto as well. Uh, we all struggle with this uh, writing process, but you have to put it out there as somebody that you're going to touch and reach and inspire. Every time we have pen posse, someone talks about the number of family members who won't support. This is something that that is real. So if you are out there writing, don't let that influence you putting your work out there. Don't worry about it. Um, sometimes it's hard when it's someone we know they do something big, like write a book. We go. Could they really write? I'm not sure. It takes sometimes it takes people a little time to understand your passion and to support you the way uh, you want them to. But even if they never do, you keep writing. That's what's important. So thank you for bringing that up as well, um, Kilanda. Okay, so I have a couple of things and I will be very brief. Um, one thing to those that are aspiring authors and writers, that's a heavy title, but don't let that um, discourage you from doing it. Um, I was even able to embrace author before writer. Writer just feels so heavy. Um, but everything that you have been through, um, I, I think it was um, one of the comments that said that they're a mom, they're a teacher. Everything that you've experienced to this point has prepared you for where you want to go. Write that book. Um, one of my favorite quotes from my forever pastor, he said that God is not concerned about your comfort, but your character. So you concern yourself with that. What values have I picked up along the way? What skills have I noticed that, um, that inspire people to want to read and focus in on that and continue to write your story? Somebody out there is waiting for, for that story from your heart to reach their heart. And it will definitely get to the people that need it the most. There are people out there searching Amazon and Barnes and Noble for the exact topic and keywords that you are going to attach to 
the books that you publish. Um, and I know that Michelle also mentioned about marketing. Um, and we've talked a lot about being um, introverted or just shy to really put yourself out there. Um, one of the things that I purchased that has paid for itself as someone who doesn't really like, you know, to do all the things um, is I purchased magnets for each side of my car and my husband's car. And it has a QR code that takes people to purchasing my books and I can visibly see people scanning the code. Uh, whether it's in the parking lot or, or look, no shame in their game. They are in, at the red light. OK, so if nothing else, figure out a T-shirt, a magnet or something of that sort that will say, hey, I wrote a book. You ask me about it because I'm not going to tell you or, you know, uh, mine says if you if you can read this buy my books um, so that you can help to continue to um, market it, because there's somebody out there who may be looking for it and just don't know that you're the one who um, has written the book they've been looking for. Oh my God, I love that. I've never I've heard a lot of marketing <laughs> ideas, but that one I really like. And uh, now I'm trying to think about getting a t-shirt and getting a QR code put on it. I love that. Thank you so much. You have been a delight. Uh, you have added so much to this conversation. And I want you to just to continue to write. Uh, you are uh, all of you are remarkable, and I want you to know that. So continue to be great. I just wanted to say to everybody out there that this is what the pen posse is all about. Two hours. We have people who have been with us the whole time, over two hours, actually, because they want to learn about writing and they want to hear from people who've done it. Now, you know, it doesn't mean that we are all, like I said, millionaires at this. I think we all will be at it because we're so passionate about it. But nonetheless, it's not about the money. It's about being able to connect with our readers. So thank you all for being with us. A few things to know is that we are continuing to move forward with our events for the Black Writers Workspace. We are actually hosting our first live book fair in New Orleans, January 28th, um, 2023. It is, we only have about right now 15 booths available and it's not even November 15th. So I'm a little, uh, may have to get more space, but it's called the Black Ink Book Fair. If you're interested in learning about it, you can go to my page at authormichelledjackson.com. Also, we are hosting, you know, all these different workshops as well as we, we will be hosting our next um, chapter one writing competition that will come up uh, in, at the beginning of the new year. There's so many things that we're done. This, doing, this is actually our, this will be our first live book fair, but we've had four virtual book fairs. Okay. So we are all about trying to help our writers. So thank you so much. Continue to follow us on the Black Writers Workspace. Follow us on Facebook, um, on Twitter and Instagram, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. But for now, and I ask everyone to stay with me, don't go off the screen, uh, but we are going to, I just want to say the final farewells to everyone who stayed with us. Thank you so much. And thank you for your questions. We will try to get some of the answers to your questions. If we weren't able to address them on the screen, we'll go back in to the comment box and try to add some, some answers to your questions. So just know we haven't forgot about you. Love you all. See you next time on Pen Posse. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you.